0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game Alone's podcast and today I'm really excited because I get to introduce you all to the amazing Catherine Turner, somebody I've been following a long, long time, Um, so it's a real honour to have her on the show. Catherine is the host of the Leverage Lifestyle podcast and it really is that topic that we're going to be discussing today, how to leverage your time, how to create a leveraged business using virtual assistants. We're going to go through how you can acquire your first virtual assistant, what kind of jobs you get them to do, basically talking through Catherine's journey. how she started out doing this and how she's actually been able to create a, a business where she is really free to spend as much time with her family as she possibly can, which is the reason she got into business herself to start with. So loads and loads and loads of amazing tips for all you fledgling investors and business owners out there who need to get to the point of, uh, of starting to utilise other people's time, not just your own. Um, so if you love this episode as much as I have, please, please, please take a screenshot of you listening, share it to your Instagram stories, tag both myself and Catherine in it, um, and I'm sure we will share it about um, for you as well. So we really do appreciate um, the love and sharing this episode with as many people as possible. But look, without any further ado, um, here is my uh, amazing interview with the awesome Catherine. Catherine Turner. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast and I'm very excited today because as I was saying to this week's guest off air I'm actually a massive fan of hers. We've got Catherine Turner on the show today. Catherine how are you doing?
1: I'm very good thank you Sam. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: No, I'm delighted. As I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your podcast, the uh, the Leverage Lifestyle. But I won't um, sort of give away too much. I'll, I'll I'll leave you to to tell the audience um, a little bit more about yourself. So yeah, over and above the the fantastic podcast that I love, and it's definitely on my on my list of listens every single week. Um, but okay. tell the uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself.
1: Great. Well, it's always a fan, uh, always a pleasure to be a fan of the podcast as well. And um, I love podcasting and listening to podcasts myself. So, uh, yeah, it's like my, my kind of a bit of therapy, I suppose. So, yeah, uh, Leverage Lifestyle, as we record this, is, is, we're in the week of its second anniversary, which is very cool. Uh, yeah, woohoo. And um, yeah, you can go and find it everywhere, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts on, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you, you go to. And yeah, I basically started that because, uh, well, the, the, the crux of it was I wanted to start a family, um, but I also was in business and had been since Essentially, 2011, 2012 is when I started my property education, I would say, and educated myself about building wealth, about starting a business, although I had studied business studies and had, for as long as I can remember, and I have no idea why, but I've always had this idea that I wanted to run my own business. It wasn't this be your own boss or financial freedom. Those words didn't exist when I was thinking about that. It was like, what do I like to do and how can I make some money from it? Because there was definitely a, a lack of money when I was growing up uh, in a single parent family. I was an only child and I could just, I just always wanted to be maybe, maybe it was a control thing. I don't really know. I haven't necessarily delved loads into that, um, but for as long as I can remember. So then it was like, I wanted to da- uh, start my own dance school because I danced at the age of three, um, but all these things happened. and And then basically I went into the world of work and got a bit comfortable in terms of the the salary coming in but I definitely wasn't comfortable being an employee and sat behind a desk and in an office and uh, a lot of the life basically started to drain out of me and to the point where uh, unfortunately I did go through a a period of clinically uh, diagnosed depression went on antidepressants in my um, 20s basically and so that was kind of the the point where I was just like, there's got to be another way. There's got to be something different. And so, uh, yeah, I was just looking at a paper. I saw an advert for a women in wealth event, had no clue what it's going to be all about. And it ended up being about property. And that was kind of my journey in. And I've gone on a massive journey since then. So that was 2011, a massive journey since then. I've trained with other people. Now I'm a trainer and a speaker myself because I love the idea of giving back. That's kind of, it kind of started and stemmed from my dance and drama background and things like that. And love being on stage. Um, but I love giving back. That's, that's been a huge thing in my life. My mom was a nurse and things and just seeing her kind of caring for people and, um, people in the streets stopping her, like, because of obviously how she just made an impression on them and things like that and how you can change people's lives. So that had always been, um, there for me. And, and then yeah we got to this point in my husband we got married um in 2013 and we just wanted to at that point i i handed in my notice at my public sector job for essex county council i'd been there over five years it was always meant to be temporary but um, ended up being a lot more permanent than i'd planned and first of november 2013 i left I hadn't fully replaced my income at this point. I always want to make that really clear to people. But what we had done, me and my husband had sat down and said, um, you know, what is his income? He was a uh, corporate finance manager in the city. And what do I need to bring in to basically cover the bills, live, all of that stuff. And we worked out as roughly about £500. Now, bearing in mind, I'd got up to a fairly decent public uh, sector salary. Of around uh, twenty-eight and a half thousand a year, so I was bringing in roughly about eighteen hundred each month. I was actually working two other jobs as well, <laughs> uh, because still there was not enough money at the end of the month, like crazy, right? Um, you know, to, to, uh, you know, we didn't have any dependents at this at this point. Two fairly decent salaries coming in, and still not enough money at the end of the month. Uh, you know, debts build up, things like that, and just doodads and all this stuff, and. Uh, And yeah, I wasn't happy working all these hours, but not really still feeling like I had any money or anything to show for it. So, uh, yeah, we went, we just went for it. And I just thought I'm trying to do all this property stuff and view properties and build networks and all this stuff while I'm still working 50 plus hours across three jobs. And so, yeah, I I took an opportunity when voluntary redundancy got offered and I was like, let's just grab it. And I haven't really looked back. So, when we, when the chance came to start our family, we were looking at, okay, all our businesses, can we run them off a laptop, off a mobile and travel all of that? And so we, I talk about this on my podcast about the importance of setting the hard deadlines. And this first hard deadline was for us to go away for a whole month. The plan was to go to Southeast Asia. I'd been there in my very early twenties. Uh, my husband had done no traveling and he loved that idea. And so he was like, uh, let's, yeah, let's go there. And this is when the Zika virus is going on. Uh, there's a whole other virus going on at the moment as we record this, but Zika virus is um, kind of all in the news. And as I went to go and get my uh, shots and injections to go away, um, she said, oh, final question was like, oh, and you're not planning to get pregnant in the next six months, are you? And I was like, ah, uh, yes, this is why we're going on this trip because we want to enjoy like our last moments of freedom, essentially. And um, yeah, so we had to completely change plans. We went over to the US. We went to Bermuda. I was there the week of my thirty-first birthday on a private Wi-Fi enabled beach. That's the dream, right? Wow. <laughs> Live, uh, work on the laptop from the beach, and um, although I didn't actually do much working on the beach, I have to confess. But um, yeah, it was just it it worked. And you know, they say what uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, in our instance, nine months later. It didn't stay in Vegas because Ella was then <laughs> uh, So, yeah. And then we basically created uh, a course off the back of that because we wanted to show people it was possible that you could have a family, you could travel, you could essentially live this laptop lifestyle that I think we'd heard a lot about. We were like, let's prove it. Let's see it's real. So we created the Life Leverage Online Masterclass off the back of that. And basically when Ella was like two months old, I um I was... Marketing that and putting and talking about it on stage, um and then not long after that, I started leverage Your lifestyle podcast to to get the message out there further. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's a very long introduction. Sorry, <laughs> no. but all different places, but I, I no, can't. I love it. it.
0: gives gives me loads to go on, which is which <laughs> helps me as a, as a, as a host. Obviously, speaking to it to another host, you you get that as well. Um, one of the things I love about you, um, Catherine, is that um you get a lot of property podcasts of which I include this as as one um but very few of them talk in depth or focus on the really the more business aspect of it and actually what's great um and you may not even realize that you just did this is your complete introduction you actually didn't really talk about anything you've done in property (laughs) it was it was that effectively property is kind of like the conduit that the the the, the product and what you were talking about there is how you wanted to create a business that would allow you to as in the intro of your uh, podcast be a globetrotter um, and still be able to work pretty much anywhere and kind of follow the kind of the four-hour work week style Tim Ferriss, um, you know dream and I love that because that's kind of a little bit of how I certainly think about things is that you should you know business first it's almost product second because if if you you can find a good product um, whether that be property, whether that be mortgages as far as you know for me whether you're selling laptops I don't know I need definitely need a new one at the moment as you know <laughs> um, it's but if you've got a really good business structure, then you can make you can you can make most things work
1: right yeah, exactly that, and I think this was the thing that I kind of then was able to draw on my learning throughout business studies, GCSE and a level. Um, and just having that business mindset, my, my husband having done um, his SEMA qualification. So he's not just an accountant, he's a management accountant. So he's got to learn about all the different elements of business. He's done his Prince two training. And so as a kind of partnership, we work really well when it comes to a business structure. And so we've kind of always talked about like, it doesn't necessarily matter what the vehicle is, you know, whether that's property an e-commerce business, um, And actually some kind of some of the stuff we've uh, been having quite some philosophical uh, conversations around recently about, you know, is it, is it the thing or is it about what the thing gives you? Um, And I've always been about, it's about what the thing gives you in terms of not necessarily material. We're both not very uh, materialistic driven people at all. It's more about experiences and creating memories. That's always been the way. And so for me, it's like, okay, how do I, but what's the thing? Creates the money, the vehicle that can be easily leveraged and mean that you can work from wherever you want, whether that's right now uh, in your home office or whether that's you know on a beach somewhere. And and I know for everyone that's going to be really different. And that's again another thing that I talk about in the podcast is like I'm not ever being prescriptive in what it means because everyone wants to live a different lifestyle. The the kind of the common theme words that come together about freedom and choice and giving you that ability to live a lifestyle that you want. And I think that's what I wasn't doing when I was an employee. And when I was you know, essentially chained to a desk, even though I had work from home days and they were kind of moving to, to hot desking and um, working from home and things like that. But it wasn't the same when it's not for something that's for you. And then one of the things we've talked about recently is because there will always be challenges when you're going through your own business model that you probably don't always see as an employee is that you've got to love the pursuit of it and that's been something we've been going through you know we started out 2011 i've gone through so many different property business models and strategies um we've done different again other business models as well like e-commerce and things like that and it's along the way i don't there's no regrets along the way at all there's probably a thing a few things i'd have done differently and that I've definitely learned some great lessons from, but that's the thing. It's about learning the lessons. And so for me now, it's more important about the pursuit of the thing and the journey of it and enjoying that along the way, as well as being able to leverage what maybe you're not great at or what you can't do or what someone else could do better or cheaper than you.
0: Yeah. I do you know I, I love that, the, the enjoying the pursuit. The, the terminology I use is love the game, um, because I think I've got a lot of clients, especially that I will work with, that they'll say, um, I mean, they're always quite surprised because I start my conversations with new clients. Like, so where do you want to be in like 10 years time? They're like, hang on a second, you're a mortgage broker. Why, why are you getting involved in my life? Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, look, it, it helps me because if you are, you know, your know, property is your thing and you're going to, you want to create some huge empire, then I need to know that when we're starting out rather than, than the alternative. And a lot of them will tell me that, you know, they've grand plans, but I can, I, I can hear it in their voice that property, you know, the idea of, buying a property, doing it up, refurbishing it and, you know, selling it or or whatever, whatever they choose to do as a strategy, it it isn't like getting them going. It isn't getting them revved up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some of the best clients that I've got are actually those that that have that vehicle of property set up a fantastic business that then funds their passion projects. Um, and I think that um, a lot of people will go into property because they think they should love the game or they should love the pursuit of it because there are so many other people that do, but then actually they get unstuck because it isn't really the thing that really truly drives them, even though we know uh, it's a fantastic method of creating financial freedom for want of a better phrase. And I'm not a massive fan of that, me neither, really. Um, but it's actually the the um you've, you've got to find that balance haven't you where you've got to love the game you've got to love that pursuit of, of the business because you're going to grind in, in it daily
1: yeah exactly that and i i think um we were literally me and my husband because he's also my business partner in um turner Adver- in turner invest that we were like uh we've learned a lot about what we don't like doing and i was listening to a podcast Ah. Oh, yeah, I think it's was actually um, someone I actually taught how to do podcasts. And um, it's one of the things I love to do now is that in an interview, he was talking about um, the, oh, my mind's gone completely down. I was <laughs> like, where am I, where was I going with this? I've yeah. listened to too many podcasts this morning. Yeah. Um, but I don't have, he I don't was, yeah, yeah, it's like, where am I? What day is this? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> the um, learning what you don't like to do actually it's then like and then flip that to become what you do like to do and i suppose it's, i i hear it so many times with people it's like well i don't want to do that and i don't want to do that but well, like what do you want to do and and they don't realize that in part of what they're saying what they don't want to do they're they're essentially building their list of what they do want to do and i think that was quite um an interesting way to look at it to say okay um We've been through that. We've, we've done those things. We now know we don't like to do them. And sometimes you just got to try these things, right? You're, you're not going to know from day one. Um, and I think it's always really interesting. So a lot of people set up their businesses because it's maybe something they did in their day job, um, but they haven't really realized everything it takes to then run that as a business. Uh, and, you know, the, the finance, the operations, the uh, admin, the logistics, all of that sort of stuff. And, and it's like, oh, okay, wow. I'm really good at the doing of it. Maybe not so good at the other bits that make up a business of it, and so i 'm always quite keen to go okay there's the foundations of building a business, but then there's all the other things that 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 go into that in terms of you know what you 're pursuing what 's the end goal what 's the purpose? are you feeling fulfilled by it and I think a lot of the stuff we 've done in the past we've realized that actually. You know my husband will openly say it he's even said it on an interview on my podcast like he doesn't love property it it doesn't really float his boat um in that sense like he loves the, the the passive income element of it that you can obviously build in once you build the business structures around it and you know leverage the right people Um, but for him it's not the end goal it's not the end game and and uh yeah really talk about his passion thing it would be uh about you know running running the rather than disablers and running in the jungle and things like that is that's so not me but that's that's good
0: I was gonna say I mean that sounds horrific um (laughs) so 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 not me but so I I love what you were saying about finding out what you don't like and because this is just so relevant for me personally because I mean I've been I've been incredibly lucky and I think I've realized even more so recently how lucky I am um and I suppose you're you'd be in the same boat as this we've both found although you know you have a slightly different relationship with your business partner than I do with mine. Certainly I don't have any children with my business partner. Um, not that he knows of anyway. Um, (laughs) but, but we, we, we work really well together because what he doesn't like to do is what I love to do. And what he, what I hate doing, he loves like, you know, so taking our business as as a mortgage brokerage, the idea of doing paperwork, literally just makes me want to kill myself it is it is horrible and you can't really be a successful mortgage broker without having to do some some form of paperwork <laughs> I was say, yeah. um, especially if you're like me and you do you're in the specialist market you're of bridging and development stuff it's all basically paper-based still um, but thankfully he loves doing that. But what I love doing is stuff like this. I love chatting to clients. I've chat to clients all day long. Whereas he's like, mm, you know, I just want to sit at my desk. I want to do my paperwork. I want to do my reporting. And, you know, I want to chase lenders and solicitors and all that kind of stuff. And he loves doing that. And he's bloody brilliant at it. Um, but he doesn't, he wouldn't know the first thing about how to market the company on social media, for example. <laughs> so, um, and so we, we, we found almost through finding what we don't like. We've, we've, that managed to sort of formulate this um, really awesome way of working together. So, is it a similar sort of thing with you and your husband that he does the stuff you don't like and you do the stuff he doesn't like?
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I love that. Like, finding that the basically the yin to your yang that's what it's about. And um, it's interesting because I do get a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, How do you work with your husband? Like, isn't it hard? And you know, your partner essentially. And it's just that uh, we don't often work side by side like at all it's very rare and um, yes we'll have meetings obviously about kind of strategic stuff and vision and you know what we're doing next and all that sort of stuff but and um, we'll try and do that in a setting you know that doesn't feel very work environment so that might be a meal out see so when we're allowed to and or a, you know a stroll in the uh, in nature and take a coffee with us and things like that so that works but yeah completely yin to yang and we've always said like he's my spreadsheet geek or my um yeah he's he's the uh, the person that makes everything work behind the scenes and a lot of the time when I talk about leveraged lifestyle it's like I couldn't do the part I do in terms of you know the podcast the, the social media the branding the, the the marketing the sales elements of it if I didn't have him operating it behind the scenes and working out the systems the processes all the tech and the software all of that part yeah. and so yeah you definitely you need that in any business partner you're looking for. And I always think like, I'm always intrigued how people do find their business partner. You know, yes, I was lucky in mine to find that my life partner, but I'm also kind of not surprised it's my life partner because I think when you do find a partner in life, you, you know, if you find a good one, uh, and I believe I have, that they usually are, usually are a bit yin and yang. Mm. You'll have similar visions and values and you know, where you might want to bring up children, for example, for us but we're good at different things and we you know play to our strengths we support each other's weaknesses and you know if you can find that then in you know someone who's not your partner but is a business partner it's it's amazing and brilliant and it makes business work because there'll always be something you're not great at and and that you really do need kind of that second head that second brain for um so yeah i I think anyone who has a business partner like that, they're, they're extremely lucky to have found them. Um, and I say, I ended up finding mine next door.
0: Literally? Or we just, you actually lived next door yeah. to him?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm literally uh, back at the house now where we met next door to each other. So this is when I was like 23, 24. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was 23, he was 24. And um, he moved in next door. And uh, yeah, all my, all my girlfriends were like so jammy, basically met like the perfect guy. So, so do
0: you Tinder? I'm just gonna, just gonna <laughs> move house and uh, find, find somebody.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Well, it'd be kind of showing my age, but yeah, I don't think really Tinder was around. then. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely wasn't on my radar, but um, yeah, I was very lucky. And, and of course, it was exactly at the time when I was not looking for a boyfriend at all and not looking to get into a relationship it's always the way right
0: that's when it ahead. that's when it's always happened. I, I actually i actually met my wife on uh instagram which is insane yeah wow i love that i love that yeah She, you know <laughs> she just stalked stalked me for a while and in, in, in the end i gave in um which is which is not the story she tells which is a bit of a strange one but there we are strange. but um but no no my, my business partner literally we we just worked together I, I came in one day um to this this new new office i'd just come back from six months out traveling around the world and um looked a little bit like um robin williams just after he came out of jumanji um, and uh, just sat down and he literally looked at me and first thing that came out of his mouth was god aren't you a state <laughs> and, and i thought me and you are going to be mates and we almost formulated the idea of the company probably uh three or four weeks after that just like w- water cooler chat you know just wow. what would you what would you do if you ran this place that oh, well, i'd probably change this i think this is good but i don't like this bit and it just you know got elevated and 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 there, there we go so you can find partners whether it's business or or life in in all sorts of places can't you but I know that obviously um one of your massive huge strengths I suppose is when we talk about leverage it's not just about leveraging a partner business or life um but leveraging others and and obviously you found that in in virtual assistants so I know there might be some people listening going where do I find my, my business partner? Well, you know, you can create a fantastic business without necessarily needing a business partner, but I think you and I both agree on the fact that having somebody or having some people and creating a team and leveraging and, and working off other people's strengths, even if they're people that would sit below you is vitally important. So when did you get to this sort of realization and when did you first come to this sort of conclusion that a virtual assistant was going to be the thing that was going to really stimulate your business?
1: Yeah, so great question, and I one hundred percent agree. You know, if there isn't another you know person beside your business partner, it is a hundred percent vital to it not just be reliant on you. I think that's the big thing. And uh, yeah, virtual assistants kind of came back. So Steve hadn't even left his job at this point when we basically figured out. And and this is the thing: I actually started all our businesses. I don't think Steve would have necessarily run or looked to own a business until he basically met me it's all my fault basically as what I say and um <laughs> but yeah he's, he's pleased with that now and so yeah we were doing some uh mastermining actually a paid for mastermind that we went to and he would take it was like every month he would take half a day and come up from London and and yeah we would just mastermind and it was one of the mentors that said uh, that showed us this idea of virtual assistants basically and we were like okay um it's really interesting. We could definitely use more hours on our business because Steve's still working full time. And, you know, there's always something else to do and have basically have another 40 hours working in your business. Wow. Like how far could we go then? And because it was very affordable and in terms of, you know, great value for money, our, our virtual assistants, you know, you get great ones for two to three pounds per hour. It's just insane, really, because all of us, just to give context for that, are based in the Philippines. And yeah, so this was, oh, my goodness me, 2014 or so. Um, yeah. And we we just started there. Basically, we, we started looking. We went on the kind of the job sites uh, and um, put out some adverts and we were only planning to hire one. And then Steve got a bit carried away and went, well, this one could do this and this one could do this. So I just hired them both. And I was like, okay, right. Um, And it was mad because initially we thought we didn't have enough, even 40 hours. We thought we were stretching. So then suddenly we've got to feel like 80 hours a week of work for other people. But one of them basically worked for us in the end for about three months, but just worked all on our websites and our social media at the time and just getting some of our um, branding out there and marketing out there. And then the other one, uh, she's come and worked for us like on and off. She's only just basically stopped working for us. Um and uh yeah, just again life choices and where her life's gone to. Uh but yeah we've goodness me, we've probably had best part of 20 VAs over this time for different roles. Some have come and gone for different reasons. But the biggest thing for me actually with all of our VAs, if any of them have ever gone, like it's always been on really good terms and that's I think is a good, you know, good sign um but yeah we then uh when was it goodness me three years ago now it must be um yeah coming up to three years we created the viva club uh, and again i have to give credit where credit's due viva stands for very important virtual assistants uh and we created the viva club with our executive va mary and she's still the manager of it now and yeah we just help people take that first step because we know it's like what is a virtual assistant what can we get them to do like there's so many questions around it and then it's like the whole fear of handing over and letting go to someone else of course so we help people through that whole uh, setup uh we you know hand them templates and documents that we basically had to create all those years ago that no one gave you at the time and we're like okay so how do we create a contract of engagement like what questions should we ask them like how do we even get them to apply and all of this sort of stuff so we went through all of that and um yeah we've now helped you know hundreds of business owners hire theirs and it's. I love the feeling like it's really nice because we get to see both sides of it. So the the business owners and the clients, you know, getting a great VA and just saying like, Oh my goodness, I should have done this years ago. And then the VA has been like, Oh my goodness, thank you for partnering with me with this business owner. Like they're great. And I'm, I'm so fulfilled and I get to work from home and around my family. And, and so, yeah, it's really lovely, really lovely business.
0: Because the thing is as well is let people, I think, sometimes forget this, and I will just thought I'd, I'd jump in as well and say, my mom's actually a VA, so I like I, ah, kind of, okay. I, I I I get it from both sides. But talking about where your VAs are based, people might be thinking, are you kind of taking advantage? But you're not. It's a, it's a truly win-win situation. Exactly what you said at the end there. These people are being given the opportunity where in a, in a maybe a part of the world where there isn't, you know, we forget where we live is is you're very free to do lots of different things. In other parts of the world, it's not it's not like that. And for them to be able to work from home and you know by you paying two three four pounds dollars uh you know an hour for these people that to them is a huge huge sum of cash and so actually it's the ultimate leverage isn't it That they're both they're leveraging you too because they're yeah. actually they're actually able to to earn uh a, a, the kind of cash that they just couldn't get in their country and and they also get the freedom to, like you say, work from home and work with people that they are inspired by and they love working with. So it's, it truly is a win-win situation. So for anyone listening that maybe feels that there's an imbalance here, there isn't at all, is there?
1: No, and, and thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it because I think not everyone does get it. So I think it's really important to say that. And yeah, but that's the, the joy that brings to us is that, like, you know, this, this is a global economy now we are going to all lift each other up you know there there is this feeling that you know they're working for the ceo essentially of a business and they take great pride in that and just the work ethic the the initiative that we've always had our filipino-based va's take and you know it's not to take anything away from va's working in or else by the way but you know a lot of businesses when they're starting out, you know getting that value for money, getting that those forty hours a week in their business that would be a huge expense otherwise if they were going kind of a traditional route or hiring in house and things like that so for us, it was just a great start, and um you know yes, we've got other people on the ground and things like that since but uh yeah, I just think any any business owner that's basically sat there struggling like it's all on them, how do I even afford to bring another you know member of staff or a team member in? Uh, it's just a great starting and jumping off point and uh, yeah completely win-win uh, in terms of you know them you know helping us but also us helping them
0: yeah of course well one thing I was I was really looking forward to asking you was um, really getting into the, into the nitty-gritty has there been maybe i like a maybe I'm putting you on the, on the spot now but kind of like a top <laughs> three like even, doesn't matter how niche doesn't matter how tiny like a job that a virtual assistant has taken over and you've just gone oh my God, my life is so much better now that this other person is doing this. And it might just be like the stupidest thing ever.
1: Oh, goodness me. Well, I'll, I'll speak for my husband first. Like, I hope he doesn't mind that. But uh, because he's an accountant, he can obviously very easily do the, the kind of day-to-day bookkeeping and all things like that. So the very first time we hired a bookkeeper and that wasn't our first hire. Um, he was just like, oh my God, like, this is amazing because, but it's also that realisation that you're essentially doing a job that you can pay someone else three pounds for an hour. And you're thinking I'm worth a lot more than three pounds per hour. And what have I stopped myself doing as well where I could be earning a lot more in a higher income generating tasks. So I know bookkeeping was one of those. Um, When I essentially got myself my own kind of PA and social media manager and coordinator, oh dear God, like I forgot how much time I was spending on social media and just all the things that were kind of in my head, but I didn't have the time to get out there and especially after becoming a mum, like, it's like, I want to post something at eight o'clock in the evening. Cause I know that's a good interaction time, but usually that's the time when the kids are, I'm trying to get them down to sleep and yeah, it just never works out. So just knowing I could rely on someone to schedule stuff for me to interact if I, if I couldn't. Um, I think one of those first things was, especially when I was doing any maybe promotions through Facebook and i having people tag themselves and things like that. And I, I just automatically go in there and start messaging everyone back and, sending them the document or the link or things like that and it was when my VA just did it like straight away and she was like oh I've just started to reply to these I was like I could see it was me but obviously she was logged in via um always recommend last pass as a way to encrypt uh, your password especially for like social media where Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of personal data on there and she was just in there like replying to people and and getting links sent out I was like that's just a huge weight off my mind just knowing things are getting replied to and responded to and uh, and, and you know, we were conversing over Instagram, for example, and things like that. And uh, I was finding, I had messages left in places like LinkedIn. Like I hadn't used LinkedIn for ages, but I had loads of messages built up that I didn't even know about. And so it's just things like that getting, you know, answered. I know for so many businesses, it's so important that you don't miss these contact points, uh, for your potential clients. So for me, that was a huge way out of mind. So there's two bookkeeping, social media kind of management and, oh probably another big one for me my husband's much better than me he's just very efficient with this but my email just yeah. having them like sort through all my email we just deleted a whole load and just i gave her like kind of criteria and it just yeah that was a huge waste. i think so, yeah. some of th-
0: some of those especially the the, the second two of those because i think the first one you can kind of see is almost like a traditional job mm. you can say right this is what you need to do blah 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 and it's kind of you can sort of compartmentalize that the other two where there's almost like almost a personal aspect to it. You, you um, mentioned this earlier on about like, the, the reluctance to give over sort of power to someone. It's like, how hard was that? And like, especially the email thing. Cause I'm, I'm dreadful with, with emails because I'm quite anal with them. Like they have to, you know, I'd never like to delete an email ever. It always has to go in a file and then, you know, every six months or so I get a little message from Microsoft saying, you know, you've exceeded your limit on, on this and the other. And I have to change my archive settings. But um, how I suppose for someone like me, who is a bit anal with it and, you know, a bit worried about not getting back to people in time, how easy did you find that process actually of, of getting somebody else into, to assist with that particular aspect of your business?
1: Yeah. It's a great question because I think it does take time. It's, it doesn't come naturally to, I think most of us, especially when, you know, things like emails, social media can be very personal. And so we just built it up over time. So to start with, with the email, for example, I just got her to look through kind of old stuff, like what could be deleted? What was not necessarily, uh, what wasn't necessary? What were kind of common, common questions that were coming up in my emails? And for her to start creating like an FAQ s- sheet, So she wasn't necessarily replying straight away, but she would be looking at what's these common themes. She would then look at my replies. And so building up a bit of a bank of of answers. So that's a great way to start with emails before you kind of hand over the actual replying element to them. Um, And there's so many emails you get, you know, if you've potentially been CC'd in, or it's just like, it's the next step and you just need to log that that's happened. And you don't really need to look at it. It's, It's then just having that taken off your mind, you know, another task you don't have to do. Mm. The social media again, we just kind of built up. Um, so she would do again replying on the kind of business uh, accounts and the uh, I've got my my profile and my page. So the profile was like the last one I handed over. So it's like again a bit of a step by step. And I think that's the easiest way for people to work. Like, what's the bit where it's like it's okay if it happens to come from another member? It, you know, it comes from my staff member essentially, because now you start to look bigger than you know. It's just you basically running everything. So it can actually be a really great um, step to take your business to say, "Look, I'm not available twenty four seven, and if you want to have a reply, then it's going to be from a staff member, and you know, they've got ex, you know, parameters of permission to." to reply and you know what they can go up to i mean one of the big things was in like our e-commerce business and things back in the day like what they could refund what they couldn't you know typical customer complaints and things like that um and some of that might come through our social medias as well so i think it's all like the baby steps of of you know, what you can hand over, what feels right, and then what you still do want to keep personal, of course. Um, You know, there's there's certain times when, you know, I get a very personal message from someone, you know, if they've reached out and, you know, maybe listened to a podcast episode and it's triggered something for them, then I would take the time still to reply because I think that's really important that, you know, I'm, I'm not big enough to, to be like, you know, I haven't got the time at all. Like there's still time there, you know, I'm not getting thousands of messages a day. Um, so I think it's really important where you can still then stay personal. And mm-hmm. the, the hilarious thing was even when I would sometimes do it, you know, she was offline, it was her weekend off, day off. Um, and I would reply and I'd be doing certain things, but it would be quite, like, Oh, thanks. Thanks for your message. Um, here's the link. And I would be, you know, copy and pasting and doing the actual line, you know, how are you and all that? Like, Oh, thank Catherine's VA I'm like no it's me, it's like, me. yeah <laughs> it's actually <laughs> it is
0: actually me, is actually like, me. hey
1: yeah and I suppose say, hey like if they can't tell
0: <laughs> did you find as well that when you sort of first started this process that actually because these people are incredibly experienced and they're they're very switched on actually they were kind of telling you what they can do and, and giving you kind of the feedback on actually that I know that you said you want me to do x y and z but actually, if I do A, B and C, I think this is actually going to work out much better for you. Did did, did you get any of that?
1: Yeah, definitely. And just it's tools as well, like certain software, um, we brought in Slack with our uh, team, we started using things like Asana, because, you know, when it was just me and Steve, like it, it didn't necessarily matter. Like, you know, we could see a spreadsheet, we could see each other's laptops if we really need to. Um, and so, yeah, certain things we had in place, like Dropbox and, you know, our Gmail systems and things like that. But you know, there's definitely tools that we brought in because of the VAs and, and some of them because they suggested them specifically for for us. And we were always open to say, look, this is the way we've done it, but that's not to say it's the best way it can be done. And if you're doing it on a, a daily basis or a weekly basis that we're not anymore and you see a better way to do that, crack on, you, you, you let us know and, and we'll get it implemented. And that's the great thing, you know, when you are still a relatively small business that you can make those changes and it doesn't have to be this regardless red tape sort of affair is like okay there's a better way to do it yep let's start doing it now
0: and because they're actually you the mindset you obviously have is these people are actually members of your team just because they're based Mm. you know however many thousand miles away um they are still a member of your team just like somebody in your in your office would be and so therefore you treat them exactly the same if somebody in your physically in your office came to you with an idea you'd listen to them why would it be any different just because they're a VA from the philippines makes no sense
1: yeah uh, completely and and that's what i've always said you know yes they might not be employed by you because they are essentially still contractors but you know it's one of the reasons they'll stay with you because they feel valued and listened to and that they have a voice and they're making a difference and yeah i th- i think it's it's so important and i always say like why would you be treating your virtual assistant or someone who's just happens to be based virtually and i think a lot more of us are going to be based virtually from now on uh where we might have been in house or in an office Uh, with each other and so we've got to be treating everyone uh in that same manner that you know that they're part of the team how can we make them feel like part of the team how can we have these kind of extended team meetings or uh 360 feedback loops and or two-way communication and, and making sure we are we are listening to that and taking it on board and uh just because they happen to be our virtual assistant rather than the assistant sitting next to us in the office and things like that
0: yeah absolutely um going on a slight tangent there was already you mentioned earlier on in your intro about how you um and your husband sort of started thinking about building your business because i know there's a lot of people that will be listening to this that are i mean like i said before mo- most people listening to this probably in property or, or have aspirations to be in property in some way shape or form but it's the business side of it that i'm, I'm loving that we're chatting about today <laughs> when when they're thinking about this and i've, I've spoken about clients about kind of figuring out when is the point to jump and you mentioned earlier on about the fact that the two of you actually sat down and worked out how much money you really needed on a monthly basis um i just wanted to sort of touch on this because i think it's a really really important point i there, you know the phrase you keep up with the jones is so many people you know they'll earn x amount per month and they'll just spend x amount per month because they've got it but actually most people could probably live off a lot less and and do you, do you see that as a or had you seen that previously and it maybe took that actually working through it and seeing what your outgoings were and actually what you needed to survive um to actually get out of that loop and figure out that actually we can make this business work and we don't need to you know be as lavish as maybe we have done previously just because a certain amount of money is going to be hitting our bank account each month um it'd be great to touch on that because i think a lot of people struggle with that mentality
1: yeah definitely and uh, it's so funny you keep mentioning phrases and i don't know if it's I can tell you've listened to the podcast. We talked about like this idea of keeping up with the Joneses and also the idea of, you know, what you want to do and what you want to pursue because someone else is doing it's the shiny penny syndrome, but also keeping up with the Joneses in terms of, you know, what you're buying, the debt you get yourself into and things like that. And I suppose when at the time, looking back at that, we we'd never done the exercise and it was so interesting because my husband had introduced zero based budgeting in his workplace. That was one of the things he did when he um, got his promotion to uh, the London office and you know, big success and you know, saved lots of money. And then the additional money got diverted to where it needed to. So like, why do you not do that in your own personal life? And it only, it, it basically took the idea of voluntary redundancy getting put in front of me that we, we did that exercise and it's like, wow, how have we never done this before? I, there was that element in me that I was, uh, it was slightly upsetting at the time, because I realized how long I stayed in a job that didn't fulfill me when I didn't need to. (laughs) So that was a little bit gutting. So, but you know, you know, it is the time, your time's your time. And the journey is the journey. But I think the, it, it helped us see kind of, okay, where is all this money going? Like if this is what we need for our mortgage, for our utilities, for food bills, like where is all this additional money that I thought I needed two extra jobs alongside my main job before, like it was quite crazy. So, You know, actually sitting down, it it helped I have my spreadsheet geek, like I said, he loves a spreadsheet. So we had started we had our joint account spreadsheet already, we had all that going, but we never dived into like we just put the income at the top that was the income at the top. We just he put slightly more of his income because he was slightly more than me. I put X amount of mine, then we'd have our own little pots of money for ourselves. But we never figured out, like, okay, if this is a joint account, this is what we need for some of the personal bills, like some of our own personal credit cards and and um bills and things like that but actually what do we need and again it came up in a podcast episode because I just thought people aren't doing this people aren't sitting down and and like say making that leap then into going into our own businesses full-time and obviously Steve took it uh, was a bit later than me later it meant that we could go into that with a bit more certainty and a bit more like okay if I I can earn that part-time and I ended up doing um, working as a dance teacher back again funnily enough I'd I'd done that in a previous life and then came back to do some of that and um, yeah I kind of worked out basically that was enough to bring in the roughly the 500 I was also duty managing at a theater which I actually really loved Um, it was quite nice to kind of be in charge but only for a certain amount of time and I love being around the theater as well again and I was like, okay, so I have this many shifts and I do this many dance classes. That's my 500 pounds. That's done. And then all the rest of the time I can now put into building this business that I've been trying to fit around 50 plus uh, hours that I was working in jobs. So um, that really helped. And I think that helps so many people because yeah, there is this fear that, you know, I'm not going to bring in the same income in or it's not guaranteed and it's not that salary. And yes, it definitely helped having a partner there alongside me, but you know, you could do this solo as well. And you know, if you've got family or friends who are not going to see you homeless or not going to see you on the street, like that helps a hundred percent, of course. But um, yeah, I think we put a lot of pressure on this idea of replacing our income and or tripling it before we start our business. And most of the time that's, it's never, it's not going to happen before you leave your job uh, or very unlikely because you're splitting your focus and you're splitting your energy so yeah. um yeah that was a really great exercise to do and i recommend that for everyone
0: yeah I, I, I do that as well and i've actually got a budget planner that i send out to my clients as well and we just go look you know go through this because i think so, so many people in this country that don't actually know how much they earn and how much they spend each month um mm. and i certainly did that um my, my wife and i um a few years back we were um basically we got to the end of our lease we were renting and our landlord basically said no i'm I'm gonna change tenant um didn't really have any reason to do so we we still to this day can't figure out what we did wrong um because we paid on time and we were lovely and we never spoke to it for a whole year but there we go um (laughs) and we suddenly had to find somewhere new but the only places on the market were actually quite a lot more expensive than what we'd been paying so we had this like sudden thing realization that we need to budget we need to figure out actually how we can afford this and we were absolutely gobsmacked that the month preceding you know we we literally itemized every spending that we did and in the month preceding the month that we were in between us we spent 1600 pounds either in the pub or on takeaways
1: wow
0: and we were like and we were like Wow. um So num- number one, maybe we should go and visit the AA. Um, <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two, we obviously need to maybe get on a bit of a diet because <laughs> we're spending a lot more. But you know, we had these kind of corporate jobs; we were working all hours, so it was easy just to go and uh, have a drink at the end of the day to make ourselves feel better, and then go home and eat crap food because we didn't have time to, to cook. So, yeah. but it just goes to show, unless you really understand your income and expenditure, and I tell my clients, treat your person. Very similar to what you were saying about the two of you, treat your personal finances like business finance. Look at income yeah. and expenditure, and 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 make sure that you're that you are cash flowing each month. Essentially, to use sort of kind of property terminology, you see, it's yeah. it's incredibly important. And I suppose what you just said there is that that then gave you the freedom to understand what you needed to do in order to actually go off and then achieve your goal, your business goals, to give you the time to do that, right?
1: yeah exactly and um I mean interestingly enough I, I can't remember how long it must have been after we did that uh we looked at how much our our, our family home that we bought it's the first home we bought together uh had gone up by and the market changed a lot and we thought oh let's release some equity but of course now I'd come out of a full-time salary job so I was essentially self-employed for um the other ones and um it <laughs> they suddenly felt, oh i should have come to you sam but they they <laughs> basically the the mortgage company we'd gone through decided to put a whole load of new parameters on us and this is where there was meant to be this idea that you this is when the new affordability stuff all came in
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um yeah the they then it was like you couldn't be a prisoner of your mortgage or something like that there was that rule on so if you'd always been able to pay it and you were still paying it and things like that that shouldn't allow you to to not you know carry on even if your circumstances had changed which obviously mine had but they then decided that although our mortgage was based on like a 75, a 70% loan to value, 75% loan to value, sorry. Um, that because the price of the property had gone up, we were now technically on a 70% loan to value product. And therefore we could only get the same again. And it was just like, ah, oh, like it, it, it really changed things. So what I want to share is that we made probably the craziest decision in many people's eyes to then sell our house and go and rent. And um, a lot of people are like, you know, like own your own home, it's this big deal, especially in the UK. And and for us, it was like, well, no, we're, we're investing in property. We're still gonna have property in our name, but it's about them becoming an asset rather than a liability. And that really changed a lot of stuff for us. Because I think because we've gone, we've just gone through all this process now of like, what what's an asset? What's a liability? Where's our time? What's it creating for us? like. all of that and and basically selling selling our house uh releasing equity in it um going to rent just opened up a whole new avenue for us in terms of property um because we didn't have family with money at all uh we didn't know a lot of people with money at all and so we had to kind of create it so Mm. that's what we did and i think so it was really interesting i did a weirdly did a, a radio show after that someone invited me on to talk about property investing and because i mentioned this story it was one of the first stories i mentioned the rest of the um calls that came in for the callers were all about oh so if i sold my house and did that, i was like okay this might not be for everyone like i yeah. do want to stress that like <laughs> it's not going to be for everyone but I, I think what i wanted to share is that there's always a way in Um, and it might be some creative thinking and it might be some thinking that we don't normally do for ourselves, especially in our own personal lives, but you know, how could you make things happen? If your back was against the wall, if you had to find this money, like what would you do if you wanted to, you know, start your own business, get into property, whatever it might be. There's always a way. And, um, that was our way.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's the bigger picture, isn't it? That's what we're talking Mm. about here. And I think as a, as somebody, when you get into running a business, you have to kind of think about things in a slightly different way because it's not just a case of you know going to going to a job earning money and then and then going home you've got to look at everything and every aspect of your life becomes part of that overall strategy and this is what I said to my business partner I don't know if you you you'd sort of agree with this but when we first started out um he said one of the said something really weird to me he said so what are our business hours going (laughs) to be and I said uh, I said what do you mean he says so you know are we just going to work during the week I said no we'll work when we need to work like if, if, if this is our business now so if, if if we've got some insane client that can only speak to us on a saturday then like apart from apart from at three o'clock on a saturday that's my rugby time I work obviously not mm-hmm. at the moment there's no rugby on but saracens get president over everything um <laughs> my, my wife tells me that um she says from personal experience i can say saracens, <laughs> saracens trumps everything um hey she's got a few shirts she, she's happy um and <laughs> uh but i said look you know we have to work when we have to work. And I said to him, now that we are in business, this is our life. It's an extension of our life. It's part of the overall strategy of life because before, you know, a nine to five mentality is you go, you do what you need to do and then you leave everything at the door when you go out, when you start on your own, it suddenly just becomes part of your wider, wider life. And obviously you have extending your family that mm. becomes, it almost all starts interjecting with one another. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that sort of philosophy, but that's kind of how I thought about it was making that change just shifted the mindset completely into, it's not a job anymore. It's it's an mm. extension of my life.
1: Yeah. And this is why I talk about leverage lifestyle and I don't, you know, it's not business lifestyle. It's not it's almost business. like I set you up for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, whenever I can plug 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 Uh, Mm. but it is it's like I it can be I mean it's got its pros and cons of course um because yeah my my brain's always thinking about business to some sort of degree and you know I've had to train myself to, to switch off especially around the kids and things Uh, especially when Ella got to the age where she'd be like, mommy phone away, phone off and things like that. Although now she wants my phone because she wants to watch animals and things like that on it. Uh, (laughs) And She's she's, she's not even three yet. She's asked for her own one because she's like, well, if mommy's not going to give me hers, then I need my own. Yeah like wow oh god what have i created um
0: three going but, on
1: 30 <laughs> yeah i know oh 100 percent, 100 uh that girl knows her own mind which i love i love it and um she it, so it's that now especially having kids like separating that business time to family time to date nights and things like that um but when it is your own business it you know it's 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 down to you and it's down to you and your partner or your business partner and so it is that feeling of, okay, you've got to create that separation at times because otherwise you'll just always be on, 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 on. And I, I kind of get what he means to an element of like, okay, but when are we going to switch off? Like, when are we going to say, probably not now. And obviously you've got your, you've got your parameters of, you know, when the rugby's on, business is off. <laughs> uh, and and so you have to create that as you go along. And and that's not so easy in the beginning, of course, because it is, you know, it's the building up, it's the, you know, ramping up and getting there but this is why i i decided leverage lifestyle was the way forward because i was like people need to know that it you don't have to be hustling grind the whole time having suffered with mental health issues i didn't want other people to get into that idea of like they had to put you know their health their mental well-being at the detriment of building businesses and things like that and there are smarter ways of doing it and you know we talk about hard work you know I've had a mum who's been a nurse. I'd say that's hard work. You know, you've got life and death in your hands essentially. And, you know, it's really hard stuff you've got to go through. But so building a business can be quote unquote hard and it's you haven't got the guaranteed salary at the end of it, but the risk reward ratio should be better. And um, yeah, yes, it then becomes an extension of your life, but I'd always definitely say to people like, you've got to learn when your switch off time is but I completely agree. Look, I go and do talks and, and deliver trainings over weekends and things like that. So then I make it up in the week that I then have time off in the week and things like that. So that's that's the balance, finding that balance. And I don't think any of us ever truly will get that balance 100% right. I, mm-hmm. I think it's possibly an impossible perfectionism that we would try and uh, get work-life balance. I think the idea is like when you're working on work, you're working on work. When you're with family, you're with family. And that's the balance. That's what I mean by it yeah no that's
0: a that's a really nice kind of philosophy actually and and a, and a good one to kind of finish off and leave leave people with um I mean that Catherine I could sit here and just number one listen to you talk phrase so I was going to say that <laughs> that's really that sounds really creepy on the one sense but also <laughs> like I do that anyway because I listen to your podcast all the time there you go I, I could I could literally just sit and ask you questions on this because this is something that's just so relevant to me in my business at the moment um but uh, but yeah I think uh you, know, you have to draw a line at some point but maybe we'll get on, <laughs> get on for a part two uh, at some point um I'd be a pleasure but before I sort of let you go uh Catherine and thanks so much for coming on um how can people firstly go and sort of follow you listen to the podcast but also if they want a little bit more information about the Viva Club and how to sort of get their own VA how would they do that as well
1: cool so um social media uh in terms of instagram i'm there quite a bit and uh twitter not so much but you'll basically find me under catherine Ann t so and without an e catherine, t, catherine C. and uh, catherine turner speaker on linkedin and facebook you'll find me there and what else? Uh, yeah. So, if you want to find out more about what our businesses do, uh, Viva Club and Life and Leverage Online Masterclass, all that, you can go to TurnerInvest.co.uk. And Viva Club, if you just want to go straight there to learn about venture assistance, it's the Viva Club. Um, so that's all there. And uh, if you want to drop us an email at all, we've got a uh, specific email lined up for people. It's just media at TurnerInvest.co.uk. And uh, yeah, the the VA kind of. Uh, go through all of those just to make sure what, what people are after then. You can so get just,
0: what, what, what we'll do is every single one of those links will be in the show notes. So and this, <laughs> this is, this is going to be a test of how good the VA is. I'm going to send you a message and your VA can send me all those links.
1: Oh, Okay. We okay. Go.
0: We're going to do okay. that. You've got your task now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. And I gave you a little bit of a, a prep, bit of prep time for this. Um, as you know, we, we've, we've, we've discussed sort of relatively irrelevant stuff for most of this podcast. Now we get on to the really important thing, uh, which, is, which is my, my favourite substance, uh, which is chocolate. <laughs> and, uh, and I always ask everyone what their favourite chocolate is, but you gave me a bit of a hint that you might be giving me a strange answer. So I'm very intrigued to hear what your answer to this, this question is, Catherine.
1: Okay, so if you had asked me four years ago, it'd be very different to what it is today. Right. Because I'm vegan. Right. So I won't necessarily have all the same chocolate bars available to me that you do have to you. Mm. Uh, but one of my favorite bits of chocolate that I, uh, I possibly stole off the kids recently. Um, I say recently, Easter time. Mm. Uh, we don't have a lot of chocolate in the house, have young kids. Um, but they had a, an Easter egg and they ended up having too many. So it was the Tesco Free From, chocolate uh, chocolate salted caramel egg it was to die for it was amazing so
0: i would like to say first world problems there are too many easter eggs um, <laughs> That. Now, for me, there's two, there's two things wrong with that. Number one, first of all, problem. But number two, that actually, there's a sentence that doesn't exist in my household. There is never, t- there is never too much chocolate. Um, but interesting. I'm, I'm, I am actually interested about this because obviously you, you can you can tell from both sides. Is is the vegan, because I, I hear vegan chocolate is awful, but is it really that bad? Is, it, is there a, you know, is normal chocolate a lot, lot better or is it getting closer?
1: So of course it's really interesting now. I, I wouldn't be able to eat normal chocolate anymore. Like I, I have a massive aversion to, to dairy milk basically now. Um, uh, so I used to love my dairy milk. That was always my go-to. Uh, I, could, I wouldn't be able to stand it now. Um, so essentially why we love chocolate so much and Sam, why you love chocolate so much is essentially it's a, there's an addictive hormone in it. There's a addictive yeah. quality to it and that's why you love it. And that's why you know the chocolate industry makes you know, millions and billions uh, each year. So I, I personally, I just don't eat as much chocolate anymore. Um, just cause I don't have that addictive, uh, yeah. doesn't have the addictive nature to it anymore.
0: Is it weird that I'm not bothered by that at
1: all? <laughs> <laughs> li- no judgment, never any judgment from me at all. Like I chose to go vegan. I'm not about to push it on the world, but, um, no, yeah, no. That, Absolutely. Definitely. It's, yeah it, it definitely, look, vegan chocolate, do not try and taste it alongside normal chocolate or dairy chocolate you're going to be very disappointed definitely take some time off between between the two yeah a hundred percent it's it's not the same
0: Fair enough oh. well um I think well we've got we got a a visitor on the show we have the, yeah, one of, one of the little ones um <laughs> well look Catherine, um thanks very much for that that completely unique answer to my my chocolate related question um and uh, I can see that you're you're wanted elsewhere so I'll, I'll let you go <laughs> for now and just say thanks ever so much for coming on. it's been an absolute pleasure to to chat uh, to this you afternoon.
1: no, thank you so much Sam. It, it really has I always enjoy um well, it's just great questions. And um, I, I love to leave a little bit of uniqueness uh, as well. So I'm, I'm glad ser- that's uh.
0: <laughs> certainly have on the end. Uh, you, you obviously you won't won't be, unfortunately, invited to the Cadbury World Tour. That'll be
1: all,
0: all my podcast episodes. <laughs> cool. Thank you ever so much, Catherine. I'll catch you later.
1: Cheers. Thanks, Sam.
0: Well, there you have it. Another one bites the dust as they say. But let me ask you a quick question. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do subscribe to the podcast as well as rating and reviewing it. This really does help me get my podcast out to more people and I'll be eternally grateful. As well as this, are you in property and wondering what to do at the moment? Well, if that's the case, I've set up a fantastic new Facebook group called Social Media for Property Investors. Check out the link in the show notes below and join us where we will discuss all the things that you need to know to smash it on social media. See you later.